chocolates? Ah, uh, yeah, yes. I have a, <laughs> I have a re-gifting update for you from nursery. I should say, and this was all about the gifts that we had to hand into preschool. The little ones then took their two-pound coin and were able to pick a gift from everywhere. Uh, and my worry was the out-of-date chocolates, but Chris Barrow sent us a message on Twitter. It starts by saying, I hope Gigi recognises that whilst heavy petting is a truth, <laughs> best before dates on chocolates are a fallacy. So Chris actually made me feel a lot better that uh, myself or someone else wasn't going to get off chocolates. No, I didn't get the chocolates. When they came back, they their teachers helped them wrap them up and they had their names on each present. And there was a sort of big bottle of what looked like body lotion and a little bottle ah. and my first thought was to, to one of the twins come on you go into a room there's all these things what made you head for this little tiny bottle at which point <laughs> at which point they said to me and it's wrapped up so I don't know what it is I've got you nose spray <laughs> nose spray <laughs> got me nose spray so I thought two things immediately who would re-gift nose spray <laughs> that was the first thought and secondly do I need nose spray? It turned out it was body lotion. And, and Chris actually sent us another message saying, well, I'd be happy with twiglets and some and some body lotion if the twins came back with. I actually got a, a big bottle of hand lotion, which is very nice. And the small bottle, I'm, I'm relieved to say, was not, was not nose spray, but it was body lotion. But I said to the boys, did you see some chocolates? Do you know, were they chocolates? And it turned out that they're best friend as much as you can have a best friend at that age he said oh yes he got chocolates for his mummy <laughs> so <laughs> i'm waiting to go around to see if i'm offered one of these chocolates that i was given so it um no they were they were very excited um at the at the gifting process of of wrapping uh, the thing is they open them you know what it's like with children you they give you a gift they say this is for you, then they open it and then they give you the gift that they've wrapped up. But it was uh, no, it was it was a very nice Mother's Day, and I did not get my chocolates or candle back, so that was a success. So you got lotion. What else did you get? Yeah, I had lotion and body lotion. Oh right. Oh okay. There you go. You'll you'll be silky smooth. <laughs> they they stayed a, they stayed on a similar path. Uh, at which point, when when they unwrapped the gift to me, one of them's got like a, a pump, you know, like a squirty pump thing. And they said, look, mummy, it does this. And, oh. and obviously you're opening these in bed in the morning because you're having a little bit of a lion and decided to show me how the pump works on the hand cream, which was really nice. So <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's really nice. And they just look, it, it keeps working. <laughs> so thoughtful. It really thoughtful. And some flowers, which I'm not sure was their idea, but again, really lovely. So that was, so we've done the gifting. I don't think there's, there's any more bake sales coming up. I think there's a little bit of a sponsored sing going on, but that's fine. And then there's the Easter holidays. So I think I'm, I'm up to date with everything I've, I need to do or I need to remember to do. So we're, we're okay. It sounds like Mother's Day was successful. 100% success, right? You didn't get your gifts back that you didn't want. You got some good lotions, which I suppose are <laughs> all right. And you got a lion and some flowers. It, it, really nice. Uh, I'd say very, very, very nice. Until I was having my, I was enjoying my line until one of the twins came up and said, Mommy, <laughs> you have to get up now because daddy's tired. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, right, where did that come from? <laughs> so <laughs> so it, was, it, was, it was very nice and the gifts were very lovely. Well, I can tell you that I did not receive anything from Sven. 
so <laughs> that was disappointing. <laughs> Apart from a demand to go and walk, although it was very nice weather, <laughs> a demand to go and walk out in the sunshine <laughs> uh, and play around. And we had fun there, but uh, no, I didn't get a gift, which I thought was, uh, which was a bit of a shame. But I did get him a gift. I bought him a badger. I got him a new, not an actual badger, a toy badger <laughs> for him to destroy. And he's not really a destroyer. He's never destroyed any of his toys, but this must have been a cheap one because it was gone in about five minutes. Absolutely destroyed. It's now a very empty badger. What was it full of? Fluff. So a teddy bear, a, a teddy bear that you'd buy for a child. Yes. Or was it a special dog? badger it's for a dog dog badger it's a it's a dog badger but this one definitely is a badger he has another toy that is uh, a cross of every animal you can think of it looks a bit like a pheasant but it's not looks a bit like a duck but it's not it looks a bit like a platypus but it's not it looks a bit like a beaver it's not it's just a bit of all of it uh it's not really an animal you can uh, can put your finger on what was it sold as did it have a name on it because no, no, it didn't. I think just a, or maybe a bird, but it's a, it's a mangled sort of all different sorts of birds. And I thought that the reason they did that was because they didn't want to portray an actual bird because in case of, I don't know, in case people get, get worried about animal cruelty and they didn't want an act, like they didn't want Sven to actually be destroying and trying to kill something that looks like a bird, right? Because if you've got kids, they would see that duck and then they'd go to the pond and they'd see the other ducks they might get upset about it and they think oh Sven's a murderer whereas if it's something that doesn't really look like anything then uh, it, it will it will be okay that's what I thought but it turns out I'm wrong because they do just sell everything like you, you know, we've got a badger we've, we've also had a, a, a beaver uh, or whatever so yeah no I, I'm, I'm wrong but I thought that we were trying to spare the spare children's feelings or something but uh, no how do we get from body lotions to platypuses because Sven did not, well, I don't think he conforms, I know, I don't think Sven conforms to social norms. No, I was talking about Mother's Day and how Sven didn't get me anything for Mother's Day because, well, he's a teenager. But if I was Sven, I wouldn't have got you anything because from our past history, we can't send you a card because you won't send one back. Yeah. You don't want a Christmas tree, don't want a Christ wouldn't have a Christmas tree in the house. So th this sort of theme here that Sven obviously picks up on, I think he was just playing it safe. He was just he was worried that you might sort of re-gift it straight back to him. Nah, nah, he's just a teenager. <laughs> he's just a teenager, he doesn't care. He just he's like, I don't need you anymore. So maybe when he's older. He'll like Mother's Day again. Can I say a lot of people have been correcting me, and rightly so, when it comes to your, your rap career. Right. <laughs> I yeah. like the way it's now a career. It was a short one. <laughs> it's, gone from one it's gone from one song to an actual career. Mm. Because I said you would have been DJ Baggy Pockets, but it's MC Baggy Pockets, if I was being completely right. So a lot of people have said that I should have said MC, not DJ. And the other thing is, people just keep saying baggy pants <laughs> the amount of people have got in touch using your rap name and called you baggy pants instead of baggy pockets is well everyone no one has used baggy pockets so i think if you have a a rap career revival which maybe is going to be a thing one day if if media doesn't work out <laughs> then i think it i think it has to be baggy pants no no baggy pockets is so much better no i'm not doing baggy <laughs> pants definitely not and also it's not 
it's not DJ because I'm not a DJ. That's one thing that I can't do and I've never done. I can't DJ. That's what everyone was saying to me, that I got it wrong because I said DJ, but it was MC. But what does MC mean? Well, it's what you put in front of rappers. (laughs) No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. It's not MC Eminem. (laughs) It's just Eminem. MC Hammer. Okay, well... There's that's one. Okay, name another one. <laughs> that's a very good example. Uh, okay, I, I give it. I'll give you that you nailed that. But, <laughs> but there's no others. <laughs> no, it's not MC. It's not DJ. Just baggy pockets. Come on, people, stop trying to make a mockery of this. It's just baggy pockets. <laughs> this is all led by you, Gigi. <laughs> but MC is master of ceremonies. Is that right? Okay. So, master of ceremonies, baggy pockets. I don't like it. No. 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 It's gone. I've decided. Just baggy pockets. Also, it's over. There is no baggy pockets anymore, unfortunately. (laughs) It was over a long time ago. As we say, the career was was, uh, short and sharp and done. Um, Someone whose career is, I would say, the complete opposite to MC Baggy Pockets is Roger Federer. If I can move from Baggy Pockets to Roger Federer. <laughs> that is one of the weakest links I've ever heard you do. No, hang on. <laughs> you are such a pro and I love working with you. And most of the time your links are just bang on. I'll say something and you'll say, well, you know who isn't that? Blah, blah, blah. And then off we go. And I'm, and I'm just sitting there thinking, seamless. She is so good. I can tell you now, in three years of working with you, that is the worst I've ever heard you come up with. <laughs> so is with our seamless I'm... segue to Roger Federer, what... is it because I've likened Federer to your rap career, which is ridiculous. I, I was inspired. I'm anxious to hear what, how, how do we have similarities? <laughs> I was inspired by you going from body lotion to platypuses. I mean, <laughs> so I think, I think baggy pockets to, to Federer. No, it was just me trying to, to drag you back to the, back to the tennis. And there's no similarities. There's complete differences. You, you wrote and performed one song. And that was the end of your career. I did. Ro- Roger Federer <laughs> is now up to title 101, <laughs> four in Miami. It made me think, and we were working on that final together, but it made me think, and Federer looked, he looked amazing. Apart from that first set he dropped in his first match in the second round to Rado Elbot, he looked fantastic. His numbers were fantastic. He, he didn't drop a set. I know there was the, the injury that we'll talk about to John Isner in the final, but do you think... Roger Federer will win another Grand Slam because because uh, there's the argument that says well well of course of course he will but then you know a Grand Slam is a, is a different beast to a Masters event. It is entirely. It is a lot more physical. That's the main thing. You have to play for longer. I'm inclined to say yes, he will because I just think that he is still playing at such a high level that things should fall into place because he's in the mix I think in every Grand Slam who knows what's going to happen at Roland Garros and through the clay but in terms of the other three he's always one of the favourites so you've just got to think that things will fall into place I think I was talking about Serena Williams with a similar sort of attitude as in she's right up there she's right in the mix she's made a couple of finals since she's come back and 
surely things will work out. Like maybe there's a couple of players that she can't quite beat at the moment, but then maybe they lose or they get knocked out by somebody else, whatever happens. And then she comes through. And I kind of feel the same way for Roger Federer. I think he will definitely win one more. I don't know if he'll win any more than that. Are you going with the one more being Wimbledon? Probably. I think it's the most likely. I also, because because I feel like with the physicality, if you're one of these young guys like Sitsipas or Diminor, may, maybe Diminor, yeah, uh, any of them, Hashinov, Medvedev, you've got to be thinking against Roger Federer that you want to play him in a best of five set match. That has got to be favouring you handsomely and for for years for more than a decade best of five has always favored Roger Federer it just always has and Djokovic and Nadal because the longer you play for the more the difference in standard becomes apparent whereas now because the physicality of it I just think that the number one task really is look even if he's playing ridiculously well just get it to five sets, get it to go long. We saw Kevin Anderson beat him at Wimbledon last year from two sets down. So those two sets are pretty comfortable for Roger Federer. Uh, And obviously at a Masters, that's it, job done. And then another, what, three hours later, they're still playing and still battling that long fifth set. And he was very, very tired. So surely the youngsters have got to be the favourite against Federer in slams. Unless they play badly, which uh, I can I can understand. So I don't know, but then that makes me feel like he won't win another one because he's going to have to beat at least a couple of them. So you would say that you would make the statement that a youngster, let's pick Sitsipas or Medvedev, he can be really annoying getting into a very very long match. A, a youngster at their top level, you believe would beat Federer in a Grand Slam match. Yes. Are you willing to make that as a as a statement? Yeah, I am, I think, because it just doesn't make sense. I mean, if you think about Sitsipas playing his best, Hashinov, Medvedev, there's probably lots of people I'm forgetting about, Shapovalov, they, maybe they're not would. I mean, Shapovalov lost quite comprehensively to him in the semi-finals. Again, that was only two sets, but... But that was Shapovalov's first attempt against Roger Federer. He'd never played him before. It was obviously a big deal. It's in the semifinals. But I feel like, particularly for the players who have already had a huge amount of success, particularly like a Tsitsipas or a Hashinov or Medvedev, I think they already have a huge amount of belief when they play against him. And definitely best of five sets. If I was their coach, I'd be sitting down before the match being like, he's old. <laughs> he's really old. <laughs> No, I'm joking. Before the Federer fans get really annoyed at me, that was a joke. He's not that old. He's clearly the best player in the world right now. He's number one in the race. (laughs) He won Dubai, made the final of Indian Wells and won Miami. I'm not ignoring any of that. I'm just saying that in in a best of five set match over three, four hours, you've got to be thinking that these young players should be coming through that. Just make it physical, right? Come through physically. Have you predicted him to win... A major this year. We did our predictions for ATP Tennis Radio. I think I've gone Djokovic for all. Did I go for all four or did I give? No, I did, didn't I? I? Didn't. Yeah, you did. You went all four. Wow, I've given him. I've given him the French as well. What was going on that day when I did that? Right. So I've given Djokovic all four. I may have given Federer London, but I'm not sure. I can't. I can't actually remember. <laughs> it's too long ago. Um, have you given Federer? A Grand Slam title this year? I don't think I did. I don't think I did. I think it was Djokovic for Australia and Wimbledon. Nadal for the French and Del Potro for US. 
there's any smoothness this now because I'm now going to quickly jump to Andy Murray because it just reminded me did you see on his Instagram story he was out hitting against a wall yeah I saw that looking good it's incredible and he must he must be and I, I know I know it's different and I know we spoke about this a lot with Jack Sock at the end of last year about the difference just between confidence of playing doubles and singles because it's a completely different sport and I get that but he must have taken a lot of heart from seeing Bob Bryan same procedure back on the court and winning that Miami title with Mike well quite I think that definitely seeing Bob doing that means, I mean, if you were Andy Murray, you would take from that, well, look, I can, I can play. I'll be able to play again. Whether he can play right up at the top level, I, I mean, I, I couldn't, it would be extraordinary if he was able to get back to the top level. One, because of the hip, and and two, because he's been out for so long. Like It's a huge amount of time. Uh, it takes a really long time. We've seen with Del Potro over the years, it takes a really long time to get back up there, even if you're playing really well. So I don't anticipate he will be back up in the top 10, but it looks like, and the positive sounds that we're hearing and the way we're watching Bob play is that he will be able to play again. What that is, what that looks like, I don't know. Injury-wise, we saw in that final against Miami, absolute heartbreak for John Isner, the defending champion, done so well to get back to the Miami final. He felt something go in his foot and he actually said to the trainer, I think it's broken, I think could be something quite serious here and he stayed out there and credit to him and he, he he couldn't push off he couldn't put any weight on it but he he finished the final he was broken and Federer would win and and take that victory I always find it's quite it must be quite difficult not just for the person who's injured but if you're facing someone who's suddenly injured or something comes out of nowhere because I would just assume it's very easy someone's on one foot you just move them around or you drop shot them, etc. But the amount of people who say this, and you've probably got experience with this, they say sometimes you find you end up just hitting the ball back to them, whether it's a sympathy thing or you suddenly freeze and you don't know how to play a player who suddenly a very different player is on one leg. So you start just giving the ball. I mean, they've still got the power. They can still wallop the ball. But how many times do you see that when it's like, oh, here you go. H- have another go at trying to find the court. Yeah, and it well, because it takes you out of your zone, so all you're doing really is you're in a rhythm, you're thinking about yourself and then suddenly they get an injury timeout and you start looking over thinking, well, what's going on? Is it serious? And then it looks really serious and you start thinking, oh, hang on a minute. Okay, I really should win this now. Because before you were thinking about, right, how can I get to the point where I can win this match? How can I do this? What am I going to do in the next couple of games when you're sitting down at the change events? And as soon as you hear the guy saying, I think it's broken, <laughs> you're thinking, oh, well, I don't need to think about that anymore because I'm just going to win. And then suddenly you lose your game plan, you lose your focus, you lose your attention to detail and it can all go wrong and you should start thinking about the the opponent. Now, Federer is way too experienced to do any of that. And I think he just kept so much in his own zone because when the match finished and he went to shake hands with John, he said, are you okay? And now what we had seen, and when we pick it up on the monitors, we can hear him speaking, we could see him hobbling around all the time because we, we were just looking at him, right? So we could see that it was clearly very, very bad. <laughs> Whereas Federer was probably just focusing on himself a little bit, saying, right, I'm just going to do my job. Don't worry about it, you know, whatever. But uh, yeah, at the end, he said, are you okay? And John was <laughs> like, no, no, man, it, it, it's, it's really bad. <laughs> it was just quite, quite funny. Then, he, then Federer said, oh, man, that's too bad. And they had a nice conversation when they were waiting for the uh, trophy ceremony. 
gosh, we've done quite a lot together recently, haven't we, work-wise? We also did the John Isner-Felix Ogelia-Seam match, the 18-year-old yes. Canadian who came through qualifying. And I thought it was interesting. You had your, you must have had your coaching hat on. It was one of the breaks that we had and things go, weren't going well for Felix by this point from a position where he had been in a position to serve for the first set. And you just quite simply said that it will, just, you simply said, I think with the coaching hat on, it will be better for him to go on to lose this match. And again, any Canadian fans, any Orsha Eliasim fans, <laughs> don't jump down my throat. Um, I'm, I'm going to annoy a lot of people in this one this week, aren't I? <laughs> no, what I'm saying, I'm saying we've spoken about it before, I think, that you learn a lot more from losing than you do from winning. And if you mess up, so he messed up. He he got, you know, not in a bad way. I mean, what he did the whole tournament was phenomenal. What he did in the match was incredible. But he was serving for that first set. His serve just ran away. It just left the court. He hit three double faults, I think, in that game. And some of them halfway down the net. He com- almost completely got the yips. That was a big concern. And I suddenly thought, what if he just can't serve at all? He really, he struggled and he got broken back. And then he he lost that set. If that happens and then you still go on to win the set, you don't learn as much from it because you think, oh, well, that was a scare, wasn't it? But I got away with it. I won the match. And, and also you have another match to think about. So you have you, you have a very short space of time to plan your tactics and your strategy against your next opponent in tennis. I mean, in a lot of sports, you know who you're playing for months in advance. You have the entire, I mean, like, you know, in football, you have your entire fixture list. Okay, maybe it's slightly different in some events, but you're still going to have kind of at least a week to plan and prepare any team that you'd be playing against. And in tennis, you can have less than 24 hours. So it can be a bit better for you, I think, to, to learn from losing. And as a coach... You know, I have sat at the side of a court with a player and, and thought it'd be better if she loses this because she'll really understand the message and then what happened won't happen again. It's just experience. But you have to learn from your experiences and you have to learn every drop from every single experience, which he has been doing. Uh, so I think that in the long run, it'll be good for him. And not long after that semi-final defeat to John Isner, once all his media commitments being carried out, out he picked up a bag of balls he went to one of the furthest courts at the hard rock stadium and he just served because he said it felt like a virus had taken hold of him and he couldn't serve but he was i think there may have been two people watching on from the stands just quietly as i say made his way down there and was just banging down the serves and the future for Felix Ogieliasim is insane. I mean, he has absolutely everything. He's spoken about being quite quiet and he finds the... It, it's the contrast, isn't it? Denis Shapovalov, we saw the rap on court at Indian Wells and he did a few social media videos ahead of Miami when it was raining and he covered himself in the sun cream and he lay down and he's he's a very... He's an extrovert in terms of his personality, loves having fun, whereas one of his closest friends, it seems to be the opposite. Ogieliasim talking about... He would have been an artist if not a tennis player. Loves playing the piano. And he said he also finds, and maybe it's just simply that Shapovalov has had a little bit longer to get used to it. And Ogelia, I mean, Felix only 18. But he said he doesn't really, he hasn't really embraced the media and the attention side and finds it quite unusual and, and quite unsettling. But it is definitely something he's going to get used to because anybody you speak to, anybody you listen to, Felix Ogelia 
could spend many, many years at the top of the game. And what comes with being at the top of the game, we see this with, with Roger Federer and the likes, is media commitments. left In this day and age, we've spoken in the past when when you were playing and it came round to Wimbledon and suddenly there was this big spotlight on all the British players. You imagine that with Felix Ogialiassime. He's 18. He's already going one way. He's going to keep going that way. And the media attention is just going to intensify. It is. And I hope that his team, look, I'm sure they are, but I hope they're really taking that side of it seriously. I honestly know many players that have been scared of winning particularly at certain rounds in slams, because that will propel them to the next level of media attention and interest. And it takes a long time to figure out who you are and, and what you're about. And that will be the demand from the media for Auger Aliassime. Right, who are you? What do you stand for? What do you think about this? What do you think about equal prize money? What do you think about the tournament's structure? Do you think that it's too much on hard? There'll be so much stuff. He doesn't know any of those answers. Who knows at that age? It's remarkable how together he is and how mature he is. But you still can't expect people to know their values and also be able to defend them and explain them and debate them with journalists who have been doing this for years. And that was something that I felt, you know, I found really difficult when it came to Wimbledon, where British players are treated like they're in the top 10 when we're nowhere near that. So you get this shock to the system. But what is bonkers with the the stats for Auger Aliassime? And we... I mean, really, you can't over-exaggerate it. It's impossible to over-exaggerate what he's doing because what he's doing is so ridiculous. The last person really to achieve what he's achieving at his age was Rafa Nadal. So he has been either the youngest person since Nadal to do a lot of things, but actually he's now started smashing the Nadal targets. So he's actually now the youngest guy since Michael Chang, who did a lot of stuff when he was very, very young. And I love having Michael Chang in a conversation. I just, I love it. You know, I really love the since stuff, you know, with British women's tennis, you know, when Joe Conta was doing really well, it was, oh, the first British woman to do this since Joe Jury. And it was just a brilliant excuse to talk about all of the achievements that Joe Jury had in her career. So that was great. And again, here, um, it was since Rafa, because Rafa did things at such a young age. But now... At this age, this exact age to the day, Rafa, his highest ranking and his current ranking at Felix Auger-Aliassime's age was 34. Auger-Aliassime's ranking today is 33. On the exact same day in their career, in their life, he has started overtaking Nadal. And that's what's so crazy is that he burst onto the scene like, yeah, I'm the youngest person to win a, a match in an ATP challenger for ages. And I'm the first person to do this for since Nadal or since Chang or whatever. And you would expect that progress to almost slow up a little bit, particularly with the modern game where it's so crowded. There's so many people. It's so physical. You know, I know Michael Chang was incredibly physical, but it is so brutally powerful now. You would expect it to slow up. It hasn't. It's sped up. He's now overtaken Nadal. Okay, albeit by one place, but still, <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's incredible to think that 
that you would know and there'd be people who wouldn't want to win a match because of what might happen to them if they won the match in terms of, of the attention that would be on them. And it seems in Felix Ogeliazim's case, he, he has got a good team. His, his coaching team work for um, Tennis Canada and his mum and sister were in Indian Wells and his sister was still with him in Miami. But just think a couple of years back to the start of the year and, and Tennis Sangren, who is older, he's a more experienced player in terms of years. And he got through the rounds and beat Vavrinka and team in Australia. And then there was a lot of attention on him from the media and they dragged some stuff up from his social media accounts. And there were lots of questions. I think he even released a statement. I mean, can you imagine this guy's been playing on the on the challenger circuit and suddenly he's releasing a statement at a, at a grand slam because of bits and pieces that have come up. But it is, it's the world, isn't it? It's the world we live in today. It's, it's social media. It might be something that happened years and years ago when you weren't even doing whatever you're doing now etc but it's 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 kind of frightening and I can imagine at, at 18 maybe even more so because you're you're playing tennis because that's what you want to do but there is everything else in this day and age when you have someone as special as he seems like he's going to be that come I mean he recently moved to Monte Carlo I mean there we know <laughs> when, when, a, when a tennis player moves to Monte Carlo I remember David Goffer he was like when I moved to Monte Carlo he said I finally felt I belonged in terms of he was practicing at the Monte Carlo Country Club and he was practicing with Dimitrov and he was practicing with Djokovic and 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 Goffin said one day, yeah, I, I belong with these guys because I'm here and I'm practicing with them and it, it's not just that but it's also having the having the the funds available <laughs> to to live in Monte Carlo but it's uh, it, it's going to be really interesting to see if only just how the rest of this year pans out because he's got no points to defend. I think I heard he's been given a wild card into Madrid. It, it, he's he's going in, in, in one direction. And maybe the help from Shapovalov, who's just a little bit more advanced in terms of having been out there for a little bit more. Then you've got Tsitsipas, he's just he was born to it. Then you get those characters, <laughs> absolutely born to it. They're vlogging and Instagramming it and all these kind of bits and pieces absolutely thrives in it. Yeah, Sitzpass was born to be famous, wasn't he? He just, <laughs> he just is so good at it. And not in an arrogant way. It just, it just suits him, doesn't it? He's just very good. He's very well-spoken. He's articulate. He can get across his feelings. Also, he's such a deep thinker. So when I talk about how, how are you supposed to know what you stand for and, and all of those sorts of, and what you're about... I think he's a little further down the line than other people because he has spent time thinking about it. When he's on the road, that's what he thinks about. Other players like Shapovalov and Ogeri, I don't think they really think about that stuff. Uh, so maybe he's a little more mature in, in that sense and I think he's a bit more robust so he can, he can stand up for himself and say, this is what I believe in. I mean, look, he was talking this week about uh, preferential treatment from the umpires. That was what he was saying that some of the top guys get. Look, it's difficult for any of us to make a comment on on it because we don't have any stats or, or data around it he just said look that's just what I feel but he defended it he was challenged and he was robust enough to say look guys whatever you can disagree with me Fed disagreed with him and said no I don't think there's any preferential treatment and Sitsipas just said look that's just what I think so it, yeah I, I think he may deal with it a little better but it's difficult with different personalities I think and also 
it's something that I think a lot of people don't really consider within the world of tennis is that there is there really is a fear of winning. It is a real thing. Like We talk a lot about the fear of losing and we see lots of players out there and they clearly get anxious because they're scared to lose. But it's a big thing in juniors being scared to lose. There really isn't a fear of winning. But when you start getting up to the top 200, top 100, there can be that fear because sometimes some wins can be quite life-changing. Some of these players don't want to be famous. Some of them just want to play tennis. So maybe sitting at 60 is better than getting up to 20. You know, you know, who knows? I'm not saying they're making any of these decisions consciously, but it is just something that I think people don't really recognise is that not everybody is desperate to get to the top. Um, and that's for a number of reasons. Some people are just happy. Some people say, do you know what? I've been pushing and driving since I was 10 years old and choosing this as a life. I'm kind of just okay with toning it down a little bit now. And look, I'm not talking about everybody here, but it is a, it's a relevant thing out there. I think that's really interesting because you would just assume that they have worked that hard and they've made all those sacrifices to get to the top. I, I, I guess you assume that you go into a job and you want to, to be the best and, and do your best. And with all the sacrifices you're making will be financial rewards as well as everything else that goes with it. So it's quite strange to think that someone wouldn't want that. But then at the same time, you talked about sitting at 60, although you're sitting at 60, whether you're making a good living, you're on the tour, you're going to fabulous places. So everything, yeah, it's, it's, it's a strange one to think that you wouldn't want to achieve what you possibly could. But then if you're happy with where you're at, you're happy with where you're at. But it's not necessarily, maybe I explained it wrong. It's not necessarily about what you want to do. It's, it's more that, you know, things are happening and you're just making decisions on a daily basis. And in any walk of life, you will have some people who are really driven to get to the top in any industry and some that are not so driven to get to the top. Everybody has their sort of comfort zones. And then almost subconsciously, you just stop driving as much as you were once you reach your comfort zone. So I'm, I'm talking more about a subconscious thing. I I don't think players sit around and actually make a statement and say, I don't want to be any higher than 60. I don't think that's the case. But just that once they're there, I think it's difficult to to continue to push and, and continue to drive day after day after day. And I just think subconsciously just that a little fraction comes off. And it, look, it's something that I also talk to a lot of juniors and parents about when they come to me and they say, my kid wants to be a professional tennis player or the child says, I want to be a professional tennis player. And I say, okay, so what does that mean to you? What does that mean to be a professional tennis player? And the parents will always say, I'll be like Andy Murray. (laughs) And I, my response is always, no, no, Andy Murray is not a professional tennis player. Andy Murray is Andy Murray. This is a very different thing. He could have been a professional footballer. He is a phenomenally driven person who has chosen tennis as his outlet medium to 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 be good at. That is his passion. But your professional tennis players are the players ranked 100, 150, ranked 60. I'm just going to name a couple of players that I know. So you're talking about an Aliash Badene who's been in the top 100 for a long time. My good friend Harriet Dart, she's ranked about 120, 130 right now. Uh, Katie Bolt is inside the top 100. And as I say, I'm just naming uh, British or formerly British players. But that's what Brit- being a, a professional tennis player is. That's what you're saying. That's what you want to be because the main bulk of professional tennis players lie outside of the top 20. They're ranked between 20 and 200. 
that they are professional tennis players. So if if that's the group you want to be a part of, then that's the journey that you're on. But I mean, I've got no problem if a kid says, you know, I want to be number one in the world. That's fantastic. I think definitely more when I'm speaking to the parents, it's just trying to get them to understand that that is not that their success lives and dies by that. And so as soon as they get to the point where their kid is maybe doesn't seem like they're going to be good enough to be like Andy Murray, they then start freaking out. And I'm I'm kind of like, well, okay, yeah, obviously, (laughs) because no one's like Andy Murray. One of those exceptions is Roger Federer, and I forgot to mention a tweet that came in from Amy um, answering the question, will he win another Grand Slam title? Amy said, you can never say never with Roger. If it happens, it'll be Wimbledon. My regards to Miss Baggy Pants. Another one that put pants in for pockets. Um, Can we we talk baby names? Uh, Do you know something I don't? Are you having another baby? (laughs) <laughs> I'm not. Hang on, I, I'm dealing with the two I've got now. Uh, what? No, you brought up you brought up baby names. I don't even know. This is. I, I think if some people ever, no, I didn't bring up baby names. If, I just brought up names. Yes, you did. You but if if some people actually wonder if we do talk about this kind of stuff off air, this is this is genuinely true. This was again during a match, and this is where baggy baggy pockets came from. Generally during a match, I can't remember what match. I don't know what spurred this off. But you were talking about baby names. And you said that you would give your baby, should you one day have a baby, something unusual. The key word here is unusual, like (laughs) your name. (laughs) To which I said, aren't you called Naomi? And you said yes. Which is not, and, and maybe people... Well, listen to this and I'll get told off again like my DJs and my MCs. Naomi is not an unusual name. Right. Well, let's just add a little bit more detail to your conversation. That is all the detail we need. No, I said (laughs) I would call my child an unusual name like Naomi. And then you said to me, what, like Apple? And no, no, because that's not a name. I know he's named his <laughs> child that, or they did, the two of them. They named their child Apple, but that's not a name. So it is a name. No, it's not a name. No, they've made it a name. No, it is a name. If you name someone Apple, it becomes a name. It's a name. No, it's not. It's not a name. It's not a name. It's not in the name it is. book, is it? What? Someone says... You're not flicking through and picking out Apple. Someone says, what's your name? You don't say, I have no name. You say, my name is Apple. Right. Anyway, can we get away from your silliness? And <laughs> back to me, trying to make my point is that I was saying, my name is quite unusual. I don't meet a lot of Naomi's. No, it's not. I, I, I could only name a couple of a couple of other Naomi's. There's Naomi Osaka, Naomi Brody, and Naomi Campbell. I've got nothing else. That's it. It's already, there's already three. You've already given me three okay, off fine, the bat. But I, don't, I only know one of them. The other two are famous. Yes, but you're having this conversation with someone who probably generally does have an unusual name, right? Am I right? <laughs> yeah. And do you know what? I That hadn't gone through my mind when I did start this conversation. So when I imagine my childhood, imagine my childhood walking into a shop, maybe like a, a farm shop, or you go into those big shops with lots of toys and bits and pieces, and you're so excited, and you, and you, and you think, oh, I'm going to mug with my name on, or I'm going to get a little plaque that you put on your door saying this is Gigi's room or something. Did I ever find my name on that board? Did I ever find a magnet with my name on? Did I ever find a mug with my name on? But did I see Naomi? 
you had placards and magnets and t-shirts nonsense. and mugs you no. had the whole range no way so on those things i will i will grant you that gigi was never there right i i get that it would it would never be there and that's fine but hannah is there every single time it's on every single one and naomi's there probably about 30 percent of the time I reckon. Oh, now I would raise you to about 70%. Your name no. is not unusual. It's more unusual than Hannah or Emma or Claire. Okay, name me name me three Hannahs. But no, but I can only I can name you three Hannahs that I know <laughs> personally, but <laughs> <laughs> now, maybe maybe the people listening will 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 kind of decide this for us, but I do if you said if you had a baby and you call it Naomi. Well, I, I'd, I'd find that a bit weird anyway. If you're like, this is me, Naomi Junior. But if you... Okay, so if my, my, my friend who is currently pregnant, if, if she were to have a girl and I go and meet the girl, the baby, and she goes, oh, this is Naomi. It, that is an unusual name. Does not go through my mind. I got it's a, it's a lovely name. Heard that quite a lot. But it's a little bit unusual. You don't see it all the time. No. I... I went to three different schools and there were no Naomi's. There were about seven Hannahs. You went through the whole school? No, I went to three different schools. <laughs> Can I see your registers, please? <laughs> exactly. There were no Naomi's in any years, anywhere else in any school. The three different schools I went to, there was not a Naomi out of thousands of girls, but there were loads of Hannahs and Claire's and Emma's and Natasha's. And you know what? Loads of Polly's. I didn't even know Polly was a name before I went to one school. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> there are a lot of Polly's. I know a Polly. I know a couple of Polly's. Um, exactly. But I know Naomi's. <laughs> I just, I think the, I think it's not one of the most often heard names, but I don't think it's an unusual name. No, it's more, it's, it's, it's quite unusual. That's well, but that's what I was trying to say is that I want to give my child a, a name that is recognisable but slightly unusual so you don't hear it all the time but that it's still an actual name. So get ready for Naomi Junior. Oh, God. <laughs> um, I, I have something that I need to get your view on and I'd like people, again, it's along the lines of the heavy petting remote control channel changer thing. Okay. I was having a discussion with someone I don't even know how to phrase this. What, okay, what do you call, what do you call the hands on a clock? Oh. Uh, well, I... What do you mean, oh? How can you have to think about this? I, don't, I, don't, I never really talk about them. Oh, is this because of the clock change? This wasn't the trick, tricky part of the question. <laughs> <laughs> I can make anything tricky, Gigi. But you have, okay. You, so you, so you, you look at a clock and what do you see? Yeah, um, I see clock hands. Oh, are you? Okay. <laughs> yeah okay how what there's three hands on your clock no there's not there's two i don't have a second one i don't have a second one. ah okay there's the answer it's a second hand right yeah because i was i was speaking to someone and they said um and a person i'm doing a little bit of training with at the gym and they said start when the fast hand <laughs> gets to the nine well they're not wrong it is fast i said what's the fast hand and he said, the, when the fast hand gets to the... It's a second hand. <laughs> yeah, the second hand. you got second hand, minute hand. And then, because he then decided to speak to some people in the gym to try and back him up on the fast hand. So he picked a lawyer. 
the worst person to pick. So, and again, as you said, you fast hand, you, you know, it's like me looking at a car and saying there's a box on wheels, which is a description, but it's a car. It's known as a car. So the lawyer said, well, I could see that you would say fast hand. And I said, in a court of law, if your case depended on it, what would you say? And he said, second hand. And the next person he asked turned out to be a watch expert. <laughs> oh, no way. <laughs> and I said, he said, what do you call that hand? And so I just need to know if there's anyone out there that calls it. I know it can be. I know what you mean by fast hand, but anyone out there that calls it the fast hand, because it's a second hand. Yeah, I've never, right? he- I've never heard of that. No, they'd, they'd be weird. Weird people call it a fast hand. Weird, because it's a second hand. Um, now, I know time is against us but I did want to before before we depart um, we asked a while back if people could kindly if they had some time leave a review if they've been enjoying what they've been listening to and I want to say a massive thank you to Paraflam I like that name um, who left a really nice review and I think the end of Paraflam's review could be our, our strap line so the, the last <laughs> sentence was have a listen if you like it then great and if you don't then well you're wrong nice I like it it's firm I like that end I like that for me it's sort of it's sort of firm but but thank you thank you to Paraflam for that review and if anyone else would like to leave one on iTunes then then that would be great that would be we would we'd really appreciate that yeah yeah that'd be really nice it just helps us out a little bit with uh, people finding us so I'm told but I'm not the most technologically minded well you have an unusual name so <laughs> that qualifies me qualifies me to make any statement I like. we must beginning we have to go now i have to go now but next week we need to talk clay right okay we need to talk because the clay is starting already started with the women yep and so if people if anyone's got any question about adapting to clay or moving on clay or good and bad things about clay we can put them to you. I want to talk to you about moving. I just think we should really get stuck in to the clay next week. Yes. We should get out there. Should I teach you how to slide? Oh, that would be awful. <gasps> Let's do that. Oh, I tell you what, it's so good for the glutes. Is it? It'd be a proper workout. It'd be so much fun. Uh, am I in danger of like breaking my ankle? No, 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 no. Sure? No, definitely not. Yeah. No, you, you, can't, you can't really hurt yourself. You can fall over, but you won't hurt yourself. I just think some people aren't meant to slide. And I feel I feel like I could be in that category of of non sliders. Do we have any clay courts around? Any clay courts near you? We'll have to do. We'll think we won't be allowed onto the clay courts at the tournaments, unfortunately, to just just slide around. Shocking. So if you imagine that when I when I'm in Rome, I'll be like, uh, just just guys, can you just hold your warm up for a minute, please? We're just gonna slide from slide from slide to side i think it was um it's like a like a court invader like a pitch invader so someone's come on the court they're just sliding and i'll be like no that's naomi (laughs) (laughs) yeah they'll be saying what what an unusual name and why is she sliding (laughs) do you know now that i think about it no one has ever said to me oh what an unusual name when i told them my name so (laughs) (laughs) whereas i get i get a lot of people how do you say it and how do you spell it and then they say it and spell it wrong, largely, mm. with my name. So, yes, we, um, Clay, next week. I don't think we're going to be going out together on the clay. Okay, well, I'll tell you what we can do is find some wooden floors and socks. Whack socks on, on the wooden floors. I used to do loads of practice of that at home. Slide around there. And just slide around. 
Yeah. Okay. All right. We, we we might. Okay. Let's maybe do something on that and put it out on Instagram. Well, the wooden or... floors are more difficult because they're actually quite slippery. You have no grip at all. So you, instead of sliding, you're kind of just slipping. But uh, with the clay, you get more more grip, so you can control it better. But I, I'm I'm excited for this. Yeah. We can't get into that now. I have to leave you. But I'm going to go and put some socks on and go sliding around my floorboards and <laughs> and, and I'll, I'll let you know how it goes next week okay great oh, I can't wait for the video <laughs> I didn't say there'd be a video I just said I'd let you know how it goes <laughs> <laughs>